Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. We are back with another episode of the Founders Series, founder number 21, Nick Boscovich, who is the CEO and founder of High Vibe Superfood Juiceries found in Chicago. So, you know, Nick was a friend of a friend who got introduced to me, uh, wanted to have him on. He's got a awesome business model, something that is special to Chicago. If you've been to Chicago or are planning to come to Chicago, highly recommend checking out High Vibe if you want some better for you, healthy superfoods. Um, Nick's got an awesome operation and he's just a, he's a go-getter. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's someone, you know, based out of Chicago and I wanted to have him on the podcast and it delivered a great episode. We were a little rushed for time, so we're going to have to do a round two. Uh, me and Nick are going to get back on and, uh, dive a little deeper into high vibe next time, but hope you guys love this episode. As always, a few links I want to remind you of Robinhood. If you want to get into investing, it's the platform to use. It's easy. It's free. It's commission free. They're not a sponsor, but I love using them. If you want to learn a little bit about, about more about the Shane Index um, or learn about companies I'm invested in, um, check out the COVID Stock Market Rebound Tracker. That is where you can find um, all the companies that I'm either invested in, looking to invest in, or on my radar. Uh, it's a great resource. It's free. It's the second link in the show notes. Last but not least, also not a sponsor, but Whoop. It's the health and fitness tracker that I've used for over a year. During COVID, it's become even more important to understand your daily strain, your recovery, your sleep, what's working, what's not. This strap does all that for me, and I love it. If you want to try it, uh, you can try it risk-free with the link in my bio. Uh, you will get a strap for free, and you also get a free first month on Whoop. It's a uh, membership, so it's $30 a month normally. Uh, they have a 30-day return policy, so by using the link in my bio, you can actually try it risk-free. So you can get a free strap, get your first month free. If you don't like it within the first 30 days, which I doubt, uh, you can return it. So give it a shot. And um, Nick will be on right after this. Hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Thanks. Well, Nick uh, Boscovich is on the podcast today. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of High Vibe Superfood Juiceries in Chicago. And uh, Nick, thank you for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Do you, uh, do you mind giving everyone a little intro just about you and your business and, uh, and we can kind of roll from there? Yeah, so I founded High Vibe. Uh, we're an organic superfood juicery in Chicago. Uh, we opened our first location, uh, which is our flagship, uh, on Kinsey in River North in uh, late 2014. Uh, we've now opened up our third, although it's just our, we only have two locations right now, but our, our uh, what would be our third retail location in West Lakeview, which is, for those not familiar with Chicago, it's like, you know, north side just west of like Wrigley Field area um we've uh it's been quite the journey I'm not a uh I'm not a manager so to speak I've learned okay. the hard way yeah um, I'm very much um this was this was a business that was born out of passion um you know I, I think um I, I I've I've invested a lot over the last several years uh into really bettering my business acumen and 
um, helping to like clarify like the vision for growth in this business. It's, it's a really unique space. Um, we're dealing with our products are, you know, very short shelf life. Uh, it's a lot of projecting and, uh, you know, as far as like how much to produce, right. We're, it's constantly adapting. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beast of a small business. And, um, and so I, I've went through Tony Robbins. I've read a lot of like business and kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Self-help. I don't know if that's the word, sure. but yeah. basically like trying to dig into like me, like how I'm wired, what, you know, why I'm great at some things and, and really miserable and suck at other things. And, uh, what I've come to learn, uh, thanks to Mr. Tony Robbins business mastery, like day one, hour one is that I'm, uh, I'm what one would call like a, a visionary, a visionary mind and more of an artist of what I do, ah, you know, okay. then, you know, secondary would be entrepreneur and a very, very last would be manager. So, Got it. Okay. so yes. Yeah, so, so it's uh, there's a lot of things to manage, a lot of inventory, um, a lot of ingredient purveyors. I'm really driven by quality. Um, I'm quality obsessed, I guess you could say. And that translates really well for our, our guests, customers. Um, but like, that's really like, I love that part like sourcing. Like, you know, there was at one point we had like 80 different vendors and oh, wow. a lot of them would be like single ingredient. And, you know, but that's why I'm in this. I love like the hunt for like finding the best of the best and like just trying to make it work financially and, you know, like log- inventory, like logistics wise to like, you know, to, to have that be our, our, uh, our purveyor. Got it. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. How did you, the the first question I had was, uh, you know, I can tell you're, you're very motivated to have high quality, um, you know, how, but how did you like, what did you do before that? And how did did you come up with the idea of high vibe? And, you know, it's a big difference between like wanting to get into that business and like actually launching a retail location. Yeah. Well, I, my 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 background was like nothing really related um as far as like professional i was uh i was kind of my my path was my original path out of college was law school um i went to school in arizona northern arizona then i finished at arizona state um i was a criminal justice pre-law emphasis major just because that was like one that was like the only classes that i really could pay attention to Um, i'm sure i'm i'm uh undiagnosed add for sure Um, and so the law always intrigued me. I think like, I think like it was really, really boiled down to like knowing my rights, knowing my rights, like what, you know, um, I think that's what, that's, that's what kept my interest, but, um, came back to Chicago after I graduated and, um, ironworking is certainly family business. I've been a union iron worker since, uh, I mean, really since I was 17, um, my, my, my dad and a lot of my family were involved with the, with the ironworkers union in Chicago. My dad was a official president for, I don't know, probably like 25 years or so. Oh, wow. So yeah. I always did that in my, on my breaks, like whether it be summer break or Christmas break. And it was great. It was like, it was like, it was like real work, man's work, dangerous, high paying though. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, so that was like, so I, but is that, it was for someone who doesn't know like a ton forced, about that, is that like, uh, you know, when you were building like skyscrapers and stuff downtown, were you the one laying the yeah. iron and, and like, yeah, some the there's, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of different, um, different jobs that fall within the realm of, um, 
of structural ironwork. But, you know, my first job, for example, my first job uh, after finishing college at, you know, what is uh, paradise of Arizona State University. Oh, was, yeah. Uh, I graduated. I graduated in December. And my first job back, like, I think I started on like January 2nd or 3rd, I was working on the Sky, Chicago Skyway project oh, cool. and I was on the, and I was in the barge gang. So my, you know, the team that I was working with, we were working off of JLG lifts that off of a barge. So literally a tugboat would come hook up to our barge, pull us out into the middle of the river. And we were changing out iron that, you know, way up that, that is way up above the river on the Chicago skyway. Like what would it be just South of like that, uh, the really expensive toll, you know, like, the oh, one that's I like, you're talking about. Uh, it's yeah. like five or six bucks. Something. Yeah. Uh, it was January and it was frigid and we were working, you know, six, 10, seven, 12. It was like that, but like making great money. Um, and it's, you know, it was like, uh, it's like a very manly, manly uh, industry to be in. And right. uh, so while I, so I was doing that to basically like pay down debt, pay off debt that I would rack up every year in college. It's, it was kind of like my cycle. I'd rack up credit card debt while I was there, come home, uh, iron work a ton, pay it all off, go back to school, start the same cycle. So I was doing that and prepping for the, uh, the LSAT and like, you know, then I was going to apply to law school. Um, and I went through the LSAT. I, I did pretty well on the test. There was a pretty good on the test. Um, but I wasn't really sure that that was the path I wanted to pursue. Someone suggested that I take a, uh, a paralegal certification course uh, through Roosevelt downtown. I did that. And after finishing it, I like realized that wasn't really what I wanted to pursue. Um, okay. So then I was kind of looking for like, what do I want to pursue? And real commercial real estate really intrigued me. Um, so I, I got into that. Uh, I worked, I worked, uh, as a most predominantly tenant rep, I represented tenants in their office leases downtown. So I began doing that. I did, I did that for, uh, I don't know, maybe like a few years, three, four years. And, um, I liked, I liked a lot of the job, like a lot of the, the, the parts of the job that were like the hunt, the finding, thinking outside the box. I love to like, you know, learn about my client's business, what they were looking for, where they were at, and like maybe try to present ideas that they, that they weren't really considering or, you know, different avenues. Really like that. Um, but I hated working in an office. Um, wasn't really, I felt like that was not where I was meant to be. I felt kind of like a caged animal. Okay. Um, yeah. You either like it or you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and that industry, it's, it's cutthroat, you know, you, you got to worry about your boss ripping you off. Um, so I, as I was falling out of love with that, um, I started like picking up more ironworking gigs on the side and I really, and I was like juggling the two, basically doing just enough of each to get by okay. and not really feeling fulfilled or like I was, you know, definitely not feeling like I was doing what I, what I, what I wanted to be doing or what I was called to do. And in the meantime, um, I think about 2008, I was, I was working in the real estate office. I was, you know, doing a little iron work and um, I would always partner up with a cousin of mine. Uh, my cousin, Johnny is like very health focused. He's like the most disciplined guy I've probably ever met. And okay. yeah. we were, we would always, we were always partnered up. So we'd go to whole foods 
and get lunch or, you know, if we were working nights, dinner or whatever, but on our breaks, that's where we would go to eat. And I fell in love. It was like this new <laughs> Mecca of food. And I've always been like a foodie and I've always been into health, you know, healthy eating and cooking too. Um, and I just like, I, you know, I was, I was, in, I was making good money and I was investing money. I had a stock, you know, I had, I had an investment account. It was 2008 though. So it was brutal. Everything was oh, like tanking. Yeah. And, wrong direction. Um, yeah. And I, and I, uh, I decided to sell everything and put it all in whole foods stock. And my friend who was my broker was like, no way. That's a luxury item. You can't invest in that. This is a recession, you know? And I was like, listen, man, I'm telling you, like, you can't go there and then go back to Jewel or Dominic's. It's like, yeah, this true. is it. Like, I'm like, to me, this is the future. It's bright. It's totally different experience. It's bright. It's, you know, healthy foods that are, you know, real and living and just, just all different level of vibrancy. Um, so I did that, fortunately, saved all the other bad moves I was making investment-wise. Um, and and my cousin also, like, as I was getting into the healthy eating with him, like, really, like, kind of, like, deep diving into it, um, he suggested that I try, like, a juice fast. Uh, so yeah. I bought a juicer. I bought a juicer, a, a Breville juicer, like everybody had. Yeah. Um, or anybody that had a juicer, that was one. And uh, I started making juice at home. And really really turned into a juice junkie like just the way it made me feel you know i was single i you know i was in my i guess like late 20s and i was partying you know more much much probably more than i should have been but okay. the way the green juice would fix the damage yeah was like magic it was like so, a, a um, magic cure yeah, it really was like I I was I became like really instantly like a big believer in um in the benefits of it. So at that same time, that's when that movie Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead had come out. Yes. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was a documentary. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, it's been a little while, but I've seen it. Yeah, and it was like, I mean, the guy, it was it's pretty simple concept. This guy, it's interesting though. A guy from Australia um had a, a host of health conditions. He was taken you know, 30 different medications a day or something crazy. And he decided to hire a film crew or a video crew and follow him as he drove across the United States, stopping in all these different small town USA truck stops and things, talking to people. And he was doing only juice for these 30 days. And you see his, his whole body, his health, like everything transformed before your eyes. So I think that really kicked off the juice, the juice industry, like you know, as we know it, like it really sparked some interest there. And at that time I was, tra I, you know, I've, I've got a lot of buddies on the West coast, so I would go visit them and that, and juicing was already part of my routine. So I would seek out, you know, what's the best juice spot in town, you know, looking it up on Yelp. And in the morning I would always go and, you know, check out what's the best spot in town. And I was really just really, really intrigued by the space. You know, every one of these places was was unique. They were, you know, they're kind of like doing their own thing, whatever the founder's vision was, that's what they were doing. Um, the, the like bottled cold press juice and, and then assembling cleanse, cleanse packages. That was brand new. That was really intriguing and different to me. There was no one in Chicago doing anything like that. And I found at, over time, you know, like I was just a fan of that, yeah. of these products. And over time though, you know, like, I don't know if it was a year or so, but I, I it just got the wheels turned because I'd come back home and there was like one local juice shop that I would go to. And 
it was all right. It wasn't organic. It was still really expensive. And, um, but it was better than like making it in my kitchen every day. Right. Yeah. So got it. It was convenient as this was as, and as this was going on, I was just like, I found myself like critiquing these different, these different, uh, juiceries that I was visiting in like other cities. And, you know, it was like the branding, you know, I was just thinking like, Oh, I would do the branding different. Like they were all either like farmhouse theme or very like yoga or like hippy dippy kind of theme. And that's not what their clientele looked like. And it's certainly not what I'm like. So I just thought like doing like a little bit more, uh, you know, a little, like a little t- taking the branding a different way. And then I also, I also saw that they were almost all exclusively like raw vegan, raw vegan. And I thought that was like a little bit of a miss too, because that wasn't what most of their clientele was. Like, I think oh, like what their clientele, what their clientele all had in common was that they were, they wanted to look and feel their best. That's why they were investing in these products. Not because they were really trying to fit in like this raw vegan dogmatic box. Right. It was, it was about the results. Yeah. So okay. it just, it just got the wheels turning. I come back home and back to me and my, my, you know, my, juicer in my kitchen and was just thinking like i should do this like i feel like i could do this as as, as good or better than anyone so yeah that's how it started that's how awesome started. that's such a cool i mean it's cool i think especially if you can start a business like that where you're just a big fan and you're really into the product i mean that's 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 cool in itself did you did you, i'm assuming like to to go from like critiquing and being a big fan to actually like buying a retail location or renting a retail location was that like a big bridge to gap um, as far as like, you know, I, I don't, I've never done that, but like I would think in downtown Chicago to find like a real, like a, an actual physical location and, and going from what you were doing to that, that would be a, you know, a big undertaking and a big, I would think a big financial investment to like go from zero to one. How was that process for you? Yeah, it was, um, it was, but you know, it, the, the search really fell into my wheelhouse because I was, I was in commercial real estate. I love the negotiation process. I love, oh, true. like, yeah. I love that hunt for the yeah. perfect spot. So I, I, what was, I think what worked out really well was that I didn't have like, you know, there's no one else involved. I didn't have investors. I didn't have partners. So it was all, it was all on my, it was all on my time. So I took a really passive approach to it. I was just like passively looking for the right spot. And when I found it, which was that spot on Kinsey, it was like, it took a lot of, you know, I guess a lot of vision to, uh, it was, it was previously an enterprise rental car office and we had to turn that into a juice lab. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, so, so I think that was, I think that worked out well because I didn't, I wasn't like forced into a deal. I didn't have like a clock ticking on me. I was fine. Like doing what I was doing, getting by and, while you were looking, did you, were, were you like on the back end trying to design like the juices and the formulas or the, you know, yeah. How were like, no. how did all that roll together? No, actually like, you know, and that's what everyone kind of like would assume that would be the process, but actually like the menu was actually the very last thing that I did. And oh. I think because I think because that was, that's what comes easiest to me. That's what's the most fun for me. Yeah. So I think I was like focused on like all these things that were like, you know, intimidating or, you know, this foreign territory that I needed to like figure out. So I focused on all of that, you know, Um, the name, you know, like core incorporating, like the whole, the whole build out process. Like I had negotiated plenty of leases, but I had never, um, I'd never like 
saw a project through from like, you know, getting an architect, getting bids from contractors, then essentially micromanaging the project because I got, I, you know, I learned the hard way you get what you pay for when you're hiring a general contractor. Oh, so okay. yeah, right. um, yeah, that was a rough, that was a rough process. Um, but yeah. And like, I mean, really the, I'd say the most, the, the most challenging part of it was like figuring out the layout for the actual space because there was, this was like such a brand new industry. And I mean, it still is such a, such a, a niche, a yeah, niche business like that, there's no like how to build the juice company. There's no book on that. There's no one like guiding that. There was no one to like tap like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking to build a juice kitchen. Like, what does that look like? There really yeah. wasn't. So I had to do some some crazy recon. You know, I had to go to these other juice companies and really just like study them. You know, like go to like I'd travel to different juice companies, you know, L.A., Miami. Um, there was one in Miami that I took a lot of inspiration from. And like, I mean, you know, it was it's funny now. I mean, it was funny then, but I mean, I had, I, I, this, this, uh, juice company, it's no longer in, uh, it's no longer open, but, uh, it was called Hugo fresh. And I really, I got a lot of inspiration from them. Like not specifically for mine, but just like their approach is really unique. Like they, that the dude who founded it, this guy, Matt Sherman, he did his own thing. Like the branding, they were like Spanglish. So all they're like, You know, it's it's Miami, so a lot of a lot of Latin American influence, Cuban, Puerto Rican, and so like a lot of their products were, um, you know, they like Spanglish named, you know, like like Spanish and English kind of meshed together. Um, really wild, loud spaces, um, you know, as far as like the decor, yeah. and uh, and they were the first, I believe, that started that like that moved to this like central commissary and not just like having like each location produce their juice they, they built out a big commissary um that would then supply all these retail locations and they grew really fast they, they were super successful and so i like literally looked up like where their commissary was me and a buddy of mine he was he was kind of like stuck along for the ride we, okay. we took a trip to miami <laughs> and uh Not the worst and place i like to go went travel. in no and i went in there with my video with my phone and was video recording and like kind of just like trespassed i just like oh, went funny. back there and like just was shooting shooting video taking pictures because i had no idea like like what do the sinks look like what do the refrigerators look like where do the press go like what equipment do i need so i was just trying to get a visual of what i was trying to build because i really oh, wow. didn't know where to start yeah yeah so so that that that's like funny memories back but like there was i don't know how else i could have done it you know yeah so you just kind of jumped in and did it, it sounds like, and just kind of figured it yeah. out as you went. Did you have like a long runway financially to do that? Um, no, not really. I mean, I had it, it. I had everything, every penny and every like every every cent that was in my name and every every penny of credit that I had. I had a lot of credit cards. So thankfully, uh, yeah. we were able to get through that. But, you know, it took it it took a lot more money than I had budgeted, but here's the thing. Like I wasn't, I don't come from a business background. I didn't go to business school. Like I didn't, I didn't even have a business plan, you okay. know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so I was just like, you know, I knew I needed to get this, get this thing rolling and making money before, you know, before the, uh, for the bank ran dry. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And so since it's a physical location, um, you know, 
I've been by the one that you have on Kinsey is has COVID been a big impact this year just to like the foot traffic in general that's coming in and have you guys had to pivot at all yeah that's an understatement it's been decimated um I'm sure. like our I've I think we're probably you know we're probably serving uh in store like maybe 30 percent or less oh, wow. 25 30 percent of what we were doing you know uh, prior to the pandemic okay yeah. and uh and it's really really it's really forced us to to pivot and adapt um and and not you know like i i recognize that we needed to kind of get like our tech upgraded and accessibility for um for our clientele or our target clientele um to make to make the products more readily available to okay. like a larger area sure and but i would have never I don't think we would have ever put the level of attention uh, and resources into it that we had to do this year. So, you know, it sounds, it sounds kind of cliche or cheesy, but like for a very long time this year, like it felt like, it felt like this thing, like this was happening for us and not to us. Um, You know, like our merchandise smart location was our, our merchandise smart location was our second spot. And we had a three-year lease there. It was due to expire at the end of March. We, that's why we had begun construction on. Uh, yeah. Tell me. Wow. And like talk about happening for us. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, we were forced to close that shop two weeks earlier than we planned. That's it. So that happened. And it was like, you know, it was just, it, it, it really shifted our focus to Kinsey all hands on deck, you know, like a staff that had been separated in the Mart, like even though Kinsey always performed better than the Mart, um, because the the Mart, like that's where we were doing all of our production. It was our commissary uh, essentially. And, and that, and I used that, um, that food hall as like, as my like co-working space, essentially like a lot. So it was like, that always like was like we were always more present there than we were at Kinsey and and uh it oops sorry about that and it didn't it it, you know we didn't want it to be that way so when so when the march shut down and we were forced to close that location like it was like okay great all hands on deck right now focused on Kinsey we're gonna start delivering to everybody because a lot of our clientele we found had had like left the city to go stay with like family yeah right and then and then when that happened we also we also started like when we were, when we were, you know, really pushing this, uh, like pushing that we were going to deliver to this like radius around Chicago, which was very not, it was like informal. We didn't have like a set radius. I was just like, we're just going to deliver to everybody unless it's like insane. Like we're just going to make it happen. And we ended up really connecting with clientele that had maybe moved away over the, over the last six years, you, you know, maybe start a family moved to, Hinsdale, I was thinking Hinsdale because that was like we, we found like we had a, a high concentration of uh, of support coming from from that like oh, western cool. suburb area. Yeah. but um, but we that that you know we were forced to do that, and it was like we didn't have a system for taking orders like that. So it was like they would, you know, the customers would call in, um, we would write the orders down, take their credit card number over the phone to to, oh, wow. to complete the transaction. You know, writing down their address. And my team really came together. Um, it was like everybody, everybody just like 
I mean, it was like magic. It really was like the way, the way it all worked out, like Presley, um, he's like an IT op operations wizard. He built an app, an internal app for us to manage our delivery system, like oh, over a weekend. Didn't even, oh, that's badass. didn't even like, yeah, it wasn't even like a topic and he just did it. And he's like, you know, like on Monday, he's like, Hey, so I whipped this up over the weekend. I was like, Holy <laughs> shit. Like it was, I mean, it's like all the logistics is linked to Google maps. We've got our, our, uh, deliveries, cleanses, our, all, all of our, like our, our, uh, clientele like database like it was it was awesome wow and then i'm like and i'm like okay well now the next step dude we need we need like an e-commerce site you know like the website's kind of always been annoying me because it was always there's always all this fluff you know we'd hire like these you know like marketing agencies and they'd help us like put it together and it was like pretty pictures and a lot of fluffy copy that like i didn't think like anyone really cared about but it Got wasn't it. definitely it wasn't it, it, it wasn't a place to buy and that's what I was like, I would press them like, okay, here's the deal. Forget the fluff. I'm not trying to write a bunch of, a bunch of copy that no one really cares about. Like, let's make this, let's make our website, what it's supposed, what it should be a place to buy e-commerce. So he put together the Shopify site that took a long time. Yeah. Those um, do take a long time. But now, right. yeah. And, and, and again, he, and he certainly does it right. And then now we're on our, we're already on our, we launched the first version in August and we just relaunched, um, made some upgrades uh just in the last few weeks so exciting you know it's it's yeah and like that's been that's been the key to our i guess surviving this year because yeah. that those sales that we're delivering you know all over chicagoland have made up for that lack of foot traffic oh i bet so yeah yeah that's great i mean it's, it's cool to see that you guys were able to pivot and figure out a way to handle you know covid because i think a lot of people are either doing that and pivoting and surviving or not pivoting and potentially not surviving, unfortunately, but yeah, you know, that's great to see. Well, good for you guys. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, this is a cool concept. I think a lot of people listen to this will definitely resonate with the type of product you sell. Um, what advice would you have for people who, you know, want to get into business in general and then specifically people who want to get like a physical location, like a retail type business. Do you have any, just one major piece of advice you'd like to give the listeners? that you've learned well i don't think i would advise entering the re the physical retail space right now um you know there's, there's it could be like your whole food thing though you're yeah, investing I mean, the challenge the, ch the challenges are immense and uh mm. and i you know unfortunately i think like the the pain has just begun as far as like you know the number of small businesses that are going out yeah. um but but i mean but in this space like i i i i'm I think like being self-aware of what you're good at and what you're the best, you know, the best man or woman for the job to own that. Don't try to out, don't waste your time outsourcing that or trying to train somebody else to do what you're the best guy for, yeah. because they're never going to live up to your expectations and you're going to spend a ton of time trying to get them there. Um, and the other thing is like, I mean, having like a, a passion and pride for, for the business that you're pursuing, because that's the only way this goes, you know, like you don't, your business is not going to stick around if like, if you're, if you're not all in yourself, you know? So Got it. I think yeah, like those sense. two things, like being self-aware, being self-aware and like beyond like owning your role, recognize your weaknesses and hire accordingly. Like finding the right people to fill your voids is, is essential. Okay. Got it. No, love that. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, 
the last question I wanted to ask you real quick was, um, you know, the one thing I love to ask pe- everyone, every founder I have on here is um, being a founder has to be overwhelming when it comes to like just things you want to do, things you wake up and have to do. Plus you're a husband and you have kids. There's a million things going on. How do you organize your life, you know, setting goals and then even like daily tasks? Are you like a pen and paper kind of guy? Are you doing apps on your phone? Like how do you organize everything? Oh man. Well, like that, I mean, it's really my biggest weakness I would say is organization. It's just not how I'm wired. Um, I, I do much better with written lists for sure. There's something about like physically holding it, writing it out and then checking it off. That feels way better than clicking a checkbox on your notes on your phone. Um, and prioritizing, you know, there's always, there's, there's always a million things, you know, like, like, okay. Like literally dozens of, of, tasks or projects you know that you can right. break oh, down yeah. that, that you're that you're that you're pursuing at a time and i guess like keeping that list prioritized is what's the most important right now what's going to give us what you know what's going to have the greatest impact and require you know what's the easiest things to check off to you know so like prioritizing according according to kind of like those different um whatever those those different metrics um and uh yeah i mean and and if you're not if you're not an organized guy like me then make sure you surround yourself with a bunch of people that are yeah okay got it Uh, that's great perfect uh yeah well awesome nick that's that was the last major question i had um it was a pleasure having you on i think we could definitely do another one of these and go down a rabbit hole of a lot more concepts and a lot more different topics but i really appreciate you taking the time yeah, likewise. And uh, sorry again for the technical difficulties. I delayed it and uh, made this, you know, shorter than uh, I think we both intended, but I appreciate the interest. No, it's, you know, it's funny. I think this year has been, it's been everyone's figuring out Zoom and there's technical difficulties that we're not used to all dealing with, but uh, you're obviously we're, we're in the same town. So uh, hopefully what I'm trying to do next soon in the new year is a physical like studio setup. So it'd be cool to have you on in person at some point. It'd be fun. Nice. I actually might have, uh, I might, we might be able to work together on that. Actually. Cool. I'm starting <laughs> my own show actually in the next couple of weeks. Let's talk about that. I'd so love, love to hear about it. The, the Bosco show, I've got a vacant two bedroom apartment that I'm going to turn into a, a podcast studio. So I oh, love it. Let's chat. Let's chat. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. Cool, man. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Nick. I appreciate it. I will link all of the stuff to, um, you know, the show notes. Is there anything you want to just say before we get off as far as like how people can get, get involved with high vibe and you? Yeah, man. Uh, follow uh, on Instagram. Definitely give us a follow. It's at high vibe shy H I V I B E C H I. Um, my personal Instagram is the Bosco show. Uh, that's B O S K O. And, um, I mean, we truly are, are, are what drives us is to provide provide the ultimate day fuel that's going to help you to look, feel, and perform at your very best. All organic. We've got an excellent, excellent team of very high integrity people. Support small business while you still can. Absolutely. Love that, Nick. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Right. And uh, we'll definitely do this again. Thanks, Shane. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Have a good one.